Tuesday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. As we are still in All-Star break. All-Star weekend is behind us, but All-Star break here. And this is something, Jonesy, that the players fought for a number of years ago to not just be right back at it. It used to be back in the day, game on Wednesday or Thursday, off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Probably an off day Monday, which was more like a travel day, and right back at it on Tuesday, getting set to resume action on Tuesday or Wednesday. But now an entire week, some teams with eight, some teams with nine days off. And uh, we we continue to plow through here on Smith & Jones as we've got lots to discuss, not just in the NBA, but in the NCAA and more. A couple of games coming up this weekend for Team Canada as well, the men's national team, uh, World Cup qualifier. So lots going on in the basketball world. And I don't know where you want to start today, but we had it in the group chat, and we often talk about the group chat and bring it to air. Um, I like to think that I'm a... Eh, semi-intelligent person i have at least a little bit of intelligence we spent a great deal of time yesterday talking about the incident uh with juan howard and greg guard and the the skirmish that ensued at the end of the game the other day on the weekend between uh with with michigan and, and ohio state or sorry in wisconsin um uh and wondering what might happen with juan howard And I said to you yesterday, and I fully admitted sitting on the fence, seeing both sides of this, thinking he probably shouldn't be fired, but he likely will be fired. Or if he is fired, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think maybe the university uh, kind of did exactly what I did, thinking, well, maybe we should lean this way, but we kind of see the other way. So you know what? We'll keep him employed, but suspended for the season. So done for the rest of the year. And maybe that's the compromise and I don't know if in the meantime he's going to go, you know, seek help for anger management if he even needs to do that or what. But Tom Izzo came out. And the, I didn't even put this in the, the chat because, well, it was fairly late. But at the same time, I wanted to save it for the air. I don't even understand this quote. Like, I'm not even understanding what he's trying to say. So here's Tom Izzo um, speaking to the Detroit Free Press. His take on the handshake incident. He says, this is a direct quote, I just hope everybody learns from it and gets better. Then, okay, that's, that's easy enough, but this is where I get confused. Then he says, maybe we should teach people how to shake hands. Not shaking hands. That's typical, typical of our country right now. Instead of solving the problem, let's make an excuse instead of confronting and demanding it change. Now, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying Izzo's wrong because I don't even know what he means. Like, my take on it, Jonesy, and I'll throw it over you here in a second, is my take on it as a, as, a, as a human being, as a father as well, and I think you're like this or were like this with your kids, I'm big, big, big on eye contact. Eye contact in conversations, eye contact with handshakes, eye contact in general. Don't be looking down at the floor. Don't be looking up at the ceiling. Don't be looking at your phone. Don't be looking anywhere but my eyes. To me, that's a sign of respect. Make eye contact with people. And I don't care if you're 6 or 66. I'm huge on eye contact. So when you're shaking hands, yes, eye contact. But I'm not quite understanding what Izzo's referring to. Like, yes, the kumbaya of everybody should get along and let's shake hands. I agree with that. No doubt about it. But the part at the very end. Let's make an excuse instead of confronting it and demanding change. So what's the change? Is the change learning how to shake hands better? Or is the change getting rid of the handshake at the end of the game? Is the change 
not calling two timeouts late in the game when you're up 15? Is the change not pressing full court when you're down that much and playing even though you know you're going to lose? Like, well, I, I'm not understanding what the change is that he's referring to. I, am I, I? I don't know. Do you have a better sense of this? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't either, Eric. I'm. I'm not sure. Maybe he's. I mean, the part where he's talking about take teach people how to shake hands. I mean, there's a societal. Um, I don't know push or or backlash. I guess with the lack of personal contact. I mean, some of it has been determined by the circumstances over the last two years, but just in general, you know, people don't, you know, people don't phone anymore. People don't, uh, you know, people don't talk anymore. It's, it's, it's text. It's, it's email. Um, you know, some of that, some of that personal stuff is disappearing. And I, I, I kind of see where he could be coming from with that. I mean, you used to, I mean, I'm guilty of it going, you know, pick up my kid from outside somewhere and rather than phone or go to the door, I sit in the car and I send a text, I'm here, <laughs> right? All right. Um, <laughs> and that kind of personal personal touch is missing, right? I mean, I know teenagers will be in the same room texting one another rather than speaking to one another. I, I, I get that and I get where Izzo's coming from with that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not sure what he's talking about when he says, you know, solve solve the problem uh, or, or ignoring it. I, I I I don't I don't get that. And if if he's going where I think he's going, you know, uh, teach that part of sportsmanship. Uh, line up, even though you've been beat. Look the other person in the eye. Shake their hand. You get into an area for me where. Well, you can't legislate emotion in and out of sports. You, you like it's obvious. Jawan Howard was hot. One of the one of one of the good takes I saw from Seth Greenberg was coach your own team. You know, Greg Gard was upset that they were pressing or or you know wanted to call the timeout because he took two timeouts because of pressing. Jawan was upset on the timeout. You know, Seth Greenberg from ESPN, and he had a good take on it. He said, coach your team. Don't worry about the other team. And I can see where that kind of stuff would would creep in here or there. But at the same time, when you're when you're kicking a guy's butt and, and Wisconsin had uh, Michigan down on the mat, and then that kind of stuff happens, and there's uh, – we, we, we both hate these, E, but there's that unwritten code of not running up the score or not – kind of rubbing it in and Jawan Howard feels that or that's his perception then you're going to get the blow by in the handshake line like and this for me it goes back to getting rid of it you're going to get uh, and you know what I am kind of at times ashamed to say I did it at other times I'm not because of the chippiness of the game I've been in that line and walked through and shake a hand shake a hand I'm getting to a guy that I don't want to shake his hand put my hand on my thigh, walk past him, shake the next guy's hand, shake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't want to draw a scene to it, but you know what, dude? You and I aren't cool right now because of stuff that you did. And if he wants to approach me and we talk about it later, that's fine. But if he doesn't know, I'll tell him. But you got to know when you're competing. And I just think Jawan was going for, the, he lifted his mask. I'll remember that. He was going for, you know, the 
the walk by, the you know, the blow by, and and guard grabbed his arm when he was emotional, <clears throat> and that and that started it off. That 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 started it off, and and away you go. You know, I was I was thinking back to you, Jones yesterday to to the point that you just made moments ago, and it's obviously on a much 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 much. Uh, smaller scale than the the you know the spotlight of thousands of people around at an NCAA game, but I can remember uh, in in high school I don't know sixteen seventeen years old or whatever baseball game uh, played under the lights and it's exactly what you were just saying uh, going through the handshake line and uh, I know for a fact I didn't shake everybody's hand and somebody took exception to somebody else either not shaking a hand or shaking too hard or or just whatever the the skirmish that ensued because of the handshake line and then to make matters worse and this is just kind of a you know a a a, a, a subproduct a byproduct of the situation that didn't help the lights went out like it was time to the city right lights went out right in the middle of the handshake line that was already heated and a full on fight broke out like full on fight I mean, I'm the guy that was standing at the back just watching because what am I going to do? I'm 150 pounds soaking wet. I'll get in there and break up the, the or, or use my mouth. My mouth is my biggest muscle. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't in there throwing haymakers or anything. But it's, it, to, to, to your point, to your point, there's going to be some people that you don't shake hands with, and that can cause even more problems because what, I'm not good enough for you or what, you're not going to shake my hand. I, I often, it's, it's not fair necessarily, Jonesy, to do this, but I often do draw the parallels or try to draw the parallels to, to everyday life or to everyday, um, you know, it's just a regular job or even you know, your neighbors, anybody right now. I don't care if you live in a house, if you live in a condo, an apartment, whatever it is. Do you like every single person on your street, in your neighborhood, on your floor, in your building? At work, do you like every single coworker? What if you were forced to shake their hand or to converse with them every single day? What about your 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 heated rival at the uh, at the other store, at the other law firm, at the other radio station, at the whatever it may be? And you just got to go shake their hand right after they've potentially beaten you or taken something from you or done you wrong, right? And you're forced to go shake their yeah. hand or you're forced to try and be cordial to them. Like I I, I know for a fact, I'm, I don't mean to, to, to pull you in with me, Jonesy, but I know for a fact you don't like everybody. I don't like everybody. I'd hazard to guess that there's not one person right now listening that likes everybody that doesn't have someone or multiple someones that they've got a problem with, right? And then throw them in and yeah. say, you must do this? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. I think in this country, you often get uh, guilty sometimes of, of the, uh, the hockey mentality or the hockey attitude of, oh, well, you know, they do it in hockey, the, the handshake line at the end of a series. And come on, that doesn't mean that it sets the precedent for everything and everyone all the time. And hockey's got its own skeletons, as we know quite well. So I'm not going to use hockey as the be-all, end-all of what sets the tone for what should or shouldn't be right when it comes to handshakes. Maybe I'm going too far off the path here. No, no, you're – I just – I just think uh, you leave it optional. I, I just think, you know, you don't frown on players milling or kind of hanging out after if they want to talk to certain people or congratulate certain people. But I just, you know, maybe it's time to take it out as a, as a, at a certain level. Like make sure it's still in when they're kids and you're kind of teaching sportsmanship or whatever. But after at a certain level, I just think, you know, uh, when heated, when it gets heated, and uh, there's, you know, there seems to be more to it. There's more on the line. 
Uh, I just think some people don't handle it well, and you give them the option. I, I, I really do. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I go back to 2009 with our colleague Sid Sixero when I said, you know, he was upset. Oh, LeBron walked off without shaking hands. I get it. I get it. At that point, I, I, I get it. So maybe you leave it optional. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what the story is, but if people, you can't mandate emotion. You can't legislate that emotion. All right, Jonesy, man that's been there, done that. Um, he's current Brooklyn Nets radio analyst, television analyst as well. He's all over the Brooklyn Nets and former NCAA coach, head coach at Wagner College. Uh, he's joined us many times in the past. We always love chatting with Tim Capstraw. Capper, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Great conversation. I was enjoying that. I could well, I could just see walking by Jack Armstrong. I've been just getting in a brawl with well, him. Would have been great. Would have been great 25 years ago. Me and him would have gone at it. <laughs> Capper, <laughs> and this is this is one of the things. This is one of the things we wanted to ask you. You, Great. as a as a college coach, have been in that situation where you're trying to tear each other's heads off. I know I've been there, and the game ends, and you're you're and you're on the wrong end. And the last thing you want to do is walk through that line. Your thoughts? I, yeah. Well, I, I still think you've got to do it. You got to do it, and you got to do it with class, and you got to do it. Why? Because there's an entire arena looking at you, and there's 15 of your players that are between the ages of 18 and 22, and they're watching your behavior. And I think, although it's you are fired up, and that, this game and coaching this game can make you a nutcase. You've got to be able to act. You've got to be able to act your way through it as long as that is the standard protocol of what goes on, because you are representing uh, a school, you are representing uh, 15 other players, you're representing an alumni base, and you've got to show, even when it's phony, and even when it's, if that's how everybody does it right now, then I, I think you have to do it, and you have to do it the right way, or suffer the consequences uh, because of it. So, Tim, listen, we're, I don't know if this is fair to even call it splitting hairs, but if you break it down, and maybe this is, maybe this is why we're guilty in the, in, in, in the media sometimes in, in 2022 of, of, you know, breaking down the tape, you know, frame by frame. Who's more in the wrong here? Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Juwan Howard's more in the wrong because he threw the punch slash slap, whatever you want to call it. He sort right. of uh, escalated things with that. But did he instigate it all? By, if you back it up, like most people I would think or assume, Tim, that they wouldn't necessarily mind if someone put their hand on your arm. But Juwan Howard did make it clear, it's seemingly by, based on the tape I saw, when guard reaches out and grabs Howard's arm, essentially trying to stop Howard, and Howard says, don't touch me. Like guards already made the initial contact, made the, made the initial instigation, I guess, and didn't back down when Howard said, don't touch me. And that's when Howard reaches out and grabs guard, and then the coaches come in, the players come in, and then the punch is thrown or the slap, whatever we want to call it. But, like, was guard in the wrong by not kind of getting out of the way and letting Howard sort of walk away and cool himself down? I think he was grabbing – I think he was going to him to try to – you know how you – like somebody and they try to get their attention to try to say, hey, listen, I called – I think he was probably saying, listen, I called that timeout, I, 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 whatever, uh, this is why I did it or whatever. 
And I think he was grabbing him for that purpose, although I don't know that, but it sure seemed like that. Like he wanted to talk to him. He wanted to give an explanation or they wanted to talk. It should have been a heated, like a discussion, heated argument, and then both were in the wrong. And then, you know, it's the fact that when things were going and then it heated up, the the idea that you throw the, the, the punch or the slap or whatever, that, that could have escalated into something really, really horrible. And um, so I, I think that's what, what guard was doing. He was just, I thought he was trying, it appeared to me like, hey, listen, man, uh, I called timeout. I know you're upset, but, you know, you're pressing. We're doing this. We're doing that. You know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but this is why I did it, I think. And then they go at it. And, and everybody think because Jawan went to the next level with the, with the, uh, the swing, it could have gotten really, really bad. Tim, as in, in reading people, if you're Greg Gard and Jawan Howard pulls his mask away and says, I'll uh, maybe an expletive in there, remember this, and you know he's hot, rather than trying to explain at that time, do you not say, uh, just, just kind of let it go? And then try to get a hold of him after or or say something in your news conference, man. He was really upset in the handshake line. Didn't even shake my hands. I just wanted to, you know, I didn't I I didn't think it was the right time, but I want to explain here. And it's not that I'm going through the media first, but I just feared that something else might happen. Like, do you not, you know, do you not honor the blow by a guy doesn't want to. You've just beat him handily in your joint. They've had a tough afternoon. I know what you. I know what the intention was, but do you not just say, uh, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it go and right. do it another way, and and because it 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 blew up in a hurry, Capper. It blew up in a hurry. Yeah, no, uh, I think if you look back at it, you said, well, if you look back at it, you say, well, I probably I would have been better off not doing a thing and just getting by him. I, I should, but his instincts were to to talk with him quickly, and it and it didn't. It obviously didn't go well just talking. But again, it's a whole nother level when everything was kind of going, it was heated, it was heated, and then all of a sudden the big arm comes over the top. That's that that I think it's I, I think both coaches could have done a you know, if you look back at it, a guard could have done it maybe differently. But I don't think that is that egregious what he I thought if you're in a line it, you're going to handshake line, I, I, I think We've all talked to people in the past or, or said something, not necessarily. Uh, I don't know. That's why it's a fascinating conversation, and it's good. I, do, do you guys agree with the punishment? Are you? Do you think the punishment is is correct? What were you guys' sides on that? I'm well, Capper, Capper, I, I said off the top, and it's funny because that was going to be my question to you. <laughs> That's my very next question. What did you think of the punishment? No, this is so, fascinating to so, me. This is you got, listen. I got to listen in a, a good couple minutes before it. It's too good not to talk about. It. I appreciate. <laughs> like I, what well, I said well, yesterday, Capper, and I was, ahead. and I admitted, Jonesy, I was right on the fence. Right, I said I don't think he should be fired, but. It won't surprise me if he will, and I'll understand if he is ultimately fired. So when the punishment came down, not fired, but suspended for the rest of the year, to me, I think that was almost the happy medium. We're not ignoring it, so we're not saying nothing. We're not just slapping a token one game, 
But you know what? He's still our guy long term. He's still a guy with roots in our program and history with Michigan. So we we recognize we still want him to be part of this. But we also recognize we need to do something, and it needs to be something that's not just a token. So you know what? You're done for the year. Circle back, as I kind of half-joked, half-serious with Jonesy. Maybe he's going to take some anger management. Maybe he's going to take some time to reflect, whatever it is. But circle the wagons and come back ready next year for a full season with your with 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 your focus on a little bit more. So I think this was the happy medium. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Jonesy? Well, yeah, let me, let me give you my take, Capper. And, and I, I, you know, I see where you're coming from, uh, but I'm that guy. I've been that emotional, uh, almost irrational guy during a game that wants every call. And, what, and when I lost, depending on the, the tenor of the game, if it was clean, hard fought, you know, I, I grudgingly got in line and shook hands and said, nice game. If it was chippy and there were there were elbows and trips and 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 you know punches and 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 you beat me, hell no, I'm not shaking your hand. And I and I've admitted this to our listening audience. I've turned and left the court. That the scoreboard has told that guy in the heat of everything we did, the scoreboard tells him that he was better than me. I'm not running over there and saying, oh, you know, nice job, nice job. No, no. And you know, playing within the rules. When I won, if a guy didn't want to shake hands, I got that. And I, I tried to take the edge off it, round the corners a bit by running over and saying, hey, man, now what a fight, man. You guys, you guys were terrific today. You guys were right. just terrific. You brought that out of us, man. What a ball game. Uh, you know, who knows what happens next time. You know, good game, man. And away I go. Because I get that part of it. And that's the, to me, that's the internal optional part for me. I do agree with the punishment. I do agree that Jawan Howard should have been suspended, not fired, because, hey, yeah. in America, everybody gets a second chance. Just look at your 45th president. I don't know how many freaking chances he's had, but I won't go into the politics. <laughs> but Jawan Howard deserves a suspension for his actions. He came out with a statement. After that, apologizing and kind of yep. pulling it back and, and taking ownership. And now let's move on. You know, once, okay, it, it can't happen again. It can't happen again because it almost happened to the same degree last year. Like, this is the absolute yeah. last chance. It can't happen again. And I think, I think uh, you know, Greg Gard was fine. Yeah, you can't put your hands on somebody in that line, especially knowing yeah. as hot as he was. So. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the suspensions and the fines. That's that's part of it. Let's move on. Uh, good stuff. No, I agree. I'm right with you guys. I'm in line with everything. He's, he's got a great reputation as a guy, but he does get, you know, you're right. It's the second time this happened. I'll tell you one thing you better do in college basketball. You better win. You better win because that cures a lot of, cures a lot of problems. Right now he's 14 and 11, 8 and 6 in the Big Ten. And he's borderline getting into the NCAA tournament. So you know, you know how it is in the NCAA. In, in, in the NCAA, you're, you're better off. You, you, you lose your job for you know, for losing, for losing games, not not on behavior or or other issues that you might have. So uh, I'm with you guys on on the suspension. Maybe they should do what the NBA guys do. They give the, they you get the wave, right? You get the wave and you go the opposite yeah. direction. <laughs> but hey, not hey, all facilities are the same as far as, yeah, they, they should really make a thing where there's no way you can cross each other in, 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 after a game. You give them the wave, and then you, everybody goes. But 
that, that maybe that's a new policy that should be put into place in, in, in the NCAA or in post game, but they make a big deal out of the coach's handshake, especially in the NCAA tournament. So I, I would, uh, I would, I would bet that wouldn't happen. We're speaking with Tim Capstra, uh, former NCAA coach and uh, Brooklyn Nets radio and television analyst. Capper, I was going to move to the Nets for a couple of minutes here, and we will do that. We've only got a few minutes left, so we will get a couple of thoughts on uh, the Nets, the second right. half, and, and, and Dragic and everything else. But a, a guy just wrote in, George, he's a regular listener to the show, and he tweeted at us, and, and I think it's interesting. I, I think I know the answer, or my, my gut tells me I know the answer, but I'm going to read it to you because it's an interesting point that George brings up. He said, do you guys think that this Juwan Howard incident is getting more talk because of who he is, the fact that he played in the NBA, he's a big name, a known name, etc. So it's not necessarily right of what happened, but, you know, happened to he in the moment, everything else. He basically saying, what if it was two coaches from two smaller schools or two coaches that weren't as known, weren't as big of a name? Would it be making the same kind of headlines, getting the same kind of attention, or is it because it's Michigan, it's Jawan Howard, yeah. and, it, and it draws you in that much more? Yes, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's a it's a bigger deal because of uh, of who he is, of Michigan, of national TV, of that. If there was a, I was coaching the Northeast Conference, you know, if 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 me and Jonesy were passing each other in the line and I, we got ticked off, you know, people might might hear about it. You might get a little, you know, a little thing here and there, but it's not national. It's it had everything to do with that. That that. Michigan. If it was, if it was another, if it was those two schools, you would know about it. It's the it's the visibility of those two schools, Big Ten, national TV, that made all the difference. Yeah, and 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 in today's age too, Capper, with with uh, with social media, and you know, a guy goes, sure. a guy goes to to make himself a sandwich, and the whole world knows, right? I mean, it's out there on, right. on Twitter, on Instagram, it's everywhere out there. So. I, I, I agree with you. I think I think to, to George's question, E. I think the fact that it, well, it was it was Michigan and Wisconsin, two Big Ten high-profile teams. I didn't see the actual incident because I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch that the entirety of the game. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure it was on national TV. I don't remember what station mm-hmm. it was on. That's mm-hmm. that's part of it too. So uh, I, I I just think there's a, there's a a lot of a lot of layers to it, and yeah, one of the big layers is that. Capper, were you ever in anything like that? Did you ever have one of those where you? I mean, I know you probably did shake shake hands. You're that's the kind of dude you are. You'd you'd suck it up and do it. Unlike me, I just say, "No, nah, I ain't doing that." You're better than yeah, me in I, that I, regard. I, but did you ever have one of those when you were coaching? No, I, I chased officials into a lock. I chased down officials <laughs> one time. No, seriously, I did. I did out in. St. Francis, I, I remember doing that, and uh, and and you know, used every word I possibly could, chased them down, and you know, and, and stuff like that. I, I was pretty good at being, you know, uh, different though. The coaching makes you a different person. I think people that yes know me think I'm absolutely loving, great guy, and all this. The players who played for me hated my guts, most of them. You know, like I was not. It makes you a different person. It can it does. do a lot of people. I really admire the Steve Nash's of the world or the Nick Nurses of the world that do their job, can do it, do it long enough, and kind of not go that up and down because of how things are going. And I think that's a, those are the guys that really are going to survive long term. 
And that's probably how Jawan Howard's going to have to adjust or he's not going to last. It's just not worth the emotion that you, that you display outwardly. Now, 25 years ago, when I was coaching, it was kind of okay to do that. It was okay to be a maniac. In fact, you looked like you were coaching more if you were not on the sideline. But now it's a healthier balance of being cool, controlled, focused, intense, and having to, and being able to communicate to your players. And, and I think that's a, a really, really good thing. But, uh, yeah, I was nuts. Jack was nuts. I'm sure Jonesy was nuts. We're all nuts. But not yeah. now. It's better. I, it's one of the – you know, everybody says the good old days, the good old days. Not in coaching. Coaching the good old days. A lot of people wanted to be Bobby Knight because he was, the, you know, like a little bit of Bobby Knight in him. Or, you know, you had to swear to make a point. And it's so much better now the way people coach. Hey, Capper, uh, we, mm-hmm. we were mm-hmm. – yeah. I just want to jump in quickly. Tim said something that's really understated there. It makes you a different person. It does, especially if you're – I mean, you hear Capper's passion on the other, other end of the line here. If you're passionate and you're competitive, it can make you a different person. And – uh, that's and that's the other reason why, to me, coaches burn out. Sorry, Eric. I just I just wanted to throw that in. No, it no, does, I don't mind. Uh, for, go ahead. For a Kevin. lot of people, that, that that's what happens. For a lot of people, and again, I admire the ones that are totally under control. It's really impressive to me. So, Tim, uh, we're we're pretty much out of time, but I'm going to squeeze in one last one here because uh, we we were going to get to you about the Brooklyn Nets, but you know what? Maybe we can we can get you back next week or something because the the Raptors and Nets are going to see each other twice in the first uh, week week and a half uh, after the break, uh, playing in Brooklyn and then again in Toronto. So we've got lots of time to talk about the Nets and Raptors and everything else. Just quickly, though, on. Uh, the former Raptor, I mean, he was only here for barely a cup of coffee, but Goran Dragic, I, I honestly am a little bit surprised that he's going to Brooklyn. I, I was kind of speculating yesterday that returning to one of his old teams, the Phoenix Suns, might be great for him, especially with Chris Paul now sidelined for six to eight weeks. But it seems like everybody wants to go to the Nets, and how will he help Brooklyn with you know, they're already stacked with a bunch of names, but trying to get KD back and get Simmons playing and now, you know, working in Dragic. How do you think that fit's going to be? No, I think it's something, a real need for the Nets. Nets needed a better ball handler, more ball handling uh, in, in their backcourt, more consistency. Obviously, Kyrie's in and out of the lineup. Uh, you know, there's no Harden anymore to handle the ball. You don't know when Ben Simmons is going to play. And Dragic's experience. Um, and his ability should really, really help. It was a real need for this net team. I think Steve Nash had everything to do with it. Remember, they were teammates in Phoenix, and this is when Dragic first came into the league, and this was probably the guy he admired the most, and I'm sure Steve Nash is the reason why uh, he's a Brooklyn Net. Tim, appreciate the time today, man. Thanks for all the, uh, the insight and for the conversation, and again, we probably will be bugging you then uh, next week or in the next couple of weeks. It's not bugging us. It's not bugging me, guys. Love being on with you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Capper. There's Tim Capstra, uh, Brooklyn Nets radio and television analyst, former NCAA coach.
Uh, great conversation there about uh, the uh, Juwan Howard-Greg Guard incident. And again, uh, Howard suspended for the rest of the season with Michigan. Uh, we're going to step aside for the break right now. When we come back, we'll continue uh, talking a little bit more, eh, maybe on Juwan Howard, but we'll probably shift our attention over to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, their first game back after the break doesn't come until Friday night, so a few days off, but lots to discuss from All-Star Weekend with Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, but also looking to the final third of the season as well. Doug Smith from the Toronto Star. Up next on Smith & Jones. Everything you need to know about all things Raptors. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate, review, and share as well. Joining us on the line right now, fresh off. A beautiful weekend, I'm sure, in the thriving metropolis of Cleveland, Ohio, from the Toronto Star, NBA reporter, columnist, national NBA writer, Doug Smith. Smitty, how are you today? Not bad, guys. What's up back on the bus going back home? Oh no, are, are you are you not back home or are you still making your way back or did you you know spend extra time down in Ohio or something? What's what's happening, Smitty? I'm in Charlotte. I'm waiting for the lads to get here tomorrow. Oh, Wow, very yeah. nice. That, that's a veteran oh, yeah. move, Smitty. That's a veteran move. Oh, yeah, no problem. It's not my first rodeo, pal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Smitty, getting set for that first game back against the Hornets. We'll put that aside for a second here. Uh, the weekend that was, we're a couple of days removed from it now. Um, I was saying to a buddy off the air yesterday, it's pretty rare. And actually, Jonesy, you and I might have discussed it even on air as well. It's pretty rare when we say that the game was the best part of the weekend because the game is often the dog. I thought the game on Sunday was great, but it kind of saved what was a fairly flat Friday and an otherwise pretty ugly Saturday. What did you think being there? I, I think I've done 18 or 19 All-Star games. But that was the worst Saturday by far. And I can't even I can't even see second place. It was horrible, and they got they got to do something to revamp it, revitalize it. I don't know what. It, the funny thing was the rookie thing on the Friday wasn't horrible. They seemed to get a good format. <clears throat> um, you know, it's still not really serious, but the format's better than a one fifty to one thirty eight game. The Saturday night stuff is just broken, and I don't know how they fix it. The game was really really good. I think having each quarter count for $100,000, put some juice in the last couple of minutes of each quarter, and, uh, you know, the finish was really exciting. Smitty, I, I think the best part of the Saturday night is still the three-point shooting contest, and we've I, I've always said this. It's the one thing that has just inherent drama because of, of the way, the nature of the contest. There's There's no subjectivity to it. There's, you know... As we said, guys are still doing dunks that Vince did 20 years ago. And they need to find a way to me to make that the highlight event, maybe make that the last event that ends the evening and sends people home on a good note other, as opposed to the slam dunk contest. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right, Joe. The three-point has always been, to me, the best. Well, outside of the Eric Gordon, uh, Zach Levine stuff in Toronto, the dunk contest has been horrible for decades. In fact, the last time the All-Star game was in Cleveland, 97, the dunk contest was so bad, they canceled it the next year. Right. Didn't have it. Well, they, they tried to reimagine it. And they reimagined it. Remember the year they had the wheel of dunks where they had to spin a wheel to find out what dunk you could do? 
and guys were getting to do yeah. dunks they they couldn't physically do. That was broken. There was you know, kind of like <laughs> semifinals against finals was terrible. Um, they got there is no there's no way to I don't think to make that contest work. Um, so it can't be. I don't think it could be part of Saturday night. I think they need to take a couple of years off and, and try to think it out. You know, Smitty, I, I, I'm in lockstep with that because I even theorized or, or, you know, proposed to Jonesy yesterday. Maybe you go kind of Olympic style, whether, you know, I, I said five years instead of four years, but every five years do the dunk contest. The, then maybe you anticipate it, look forward to it a little bit, and then you get a chance to hit the reset button and, and refresh things a little bit, maybe come up with some new ideas. And a guy that comes into the league right now that wants to be in it, well, he's still hopefully going to be a decent dunker in five years. And if he's still a valid or valuable or recognizable name, well, then go in it in five years. You're not going to miss your chance. But the key, I guess, yes, uh, yesterday that was brought up uh, in our conversation is, does the NBA need to do more? Like, it's, it's, it seems ridiculous to talk about, Smitty, with the amount of money that these guys are making. But the incentives to do this. Like, we see better dunks in the game. John Morant at, had at least two that would have won on Saturday night. And that was in-game action. But if we don't have the stars, like, with due respect, if hey, Obi Toppin, Cole Anthony, and others, if they end up being all-stars one day, Jalen Green, great. But they aren't stars right now. How do you get the stars back without incentivizing them to be able to do so? But how much money is it going to take to get the stars like Jordan, like Kobe, like Vince, like so many others in the past, Dominique, et cetera? How are you going to get the stars to come back? Oh, you're not. And that's, that's the crux of the issue is the top guys don't want to do it. They don't, I don't think they want to put themselves out there. I'm not, I don't think there's any amount of money that makes it worth their while given all the other monies that they're earning. So I don't think you're ever going to get the top players in the league. And I think that's the heart of the matter is that you got, you know, sure, Obi Toppin's a great dunker, but Obi Toppin's just a guy. You don't buy a ticket to go out to the next play and watch Obi Toppin. Same with uh, Cole Anthony. Maybe Jalen Green in a couple of years, maybe. But uh, the Toscano Anderson guy from Golden State. They're just guys. There's no star, no star power to it, and that's another reason I think it's got to go away. So, well, they got they. I, I Smitty, I, we don't know. Not, none of us, the three of us, don't really have a, a fix for it. But um, they've got to do something. I I think that you've got to, you know, make it uh, make it about more skill stuff. That's all it is for me. Doug, I want I want to jump to the Raptors. We got we got some time left here. Um, they're heading into this last third of the season. Do you think there might be somebody that might come up on the buyout market that they might look at and say, hey, this guy could help us uh, towards the end of the season? You know, I don't think so. I, I think they like their eight or nine guys. I think they're absolutely trying to build toward next year and the year after maybe. And anybody who's come in to help you win two or three more games probably doesn't let you win a championship. And it might be at the detriment of the guys they got. So I don't see, you know, buyouts are weird things because I don't think there's been a guy really in a buyout market who's made a significant difference. Like I say, win a couple games here and there, help you win two more. Big whoop, really. If that's at the expense of guys you got and you want to develop. I think they did their buyout. They did their move with Thad Young, and they got to get him integrated in it because I think he's really going to help. And I think you got 25 games to figure out where he fits. 
and how he fits, and then you go from there. But I don't see like a backup point guard or a shooter off the bench. I don't see one that's going to come up who's going to make significant difference. Speaking with Doug Smith of the Toronto Star. Smitty, read the tea leaves for me here. How do you think things will play out for the Raptors in terms of the jockeying for positioning in the Eastern Conference? Because we've been talking now for weeks, if not months, about how tight it is. And the optimists will look and say, you know, you're, you're only two and a half back of home court advantage. And that's not much to make up. But there's a whole bunch of people to leapfrog. And then the pessimist might say, yeah, but you know what? You're only uh, four and a half back of falling down to the 10th seed. Um, I think we're starting to see, I think, I don't know if you'd agree, we kind of know the 10, barring something crazy happening. I think we know the 10. So Toronto should be somewhere there in the 10. Can they be good enough to get to four? Can they be good enough to get to six? Or do you think they're destined to be somewhere in seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 and having to fight their way in? I think they should look... <clears throat> I think their upside is like five through eight. Uh, and I think they got... So more to do to, to figure out rotations and, and that kind of thing. But chasing Philly, I guess, is right there ahead of them. Boston's right ahead of them. I don't think it's all around a possibility they can get into that kind of race. Whether they can do it, like they, they finish, I think, eight of their last ten are at home. And that's going to be a big deal when they're playing in front of 20,000 fans. So I think there's a chance they can get up into that, the place where you don't have to be in the play-in games. Not that that's a big deal to me for seven or eight, but if you're not in them, it's you know it's another couple of days of practice, and it's a, it's a little bit off of your mind. And I think they can get up in there and make it really challenging for teams like Philly and Boston in that five six. And you don't know where Brooklyn's going to go, whether Simmons plays, when he plays, whether the the New York State or New York City eases its vaccination things and lets Kyrie play at home. That's going to be an interesting dynamic the rest of the way. But I think the Raptors absolutely can get – it's more likely to me that they get into that 5-6-7 race and stay in it rather than they drop to the 8-9-10 race. Doug, what does this do to the timetable? Um, you know, the, the, I, I think, you know, things have been, to some people, surprising this year. I mean, I figured they'd be somewhere close to in and around the 500 range, 41-41, 40-42, 42-40 somewhere in there. Um, does this push Masai, Bobby, Dan, does this push them to say, let's speed up the timetable, uh, change the expectations, because that's what you're managing, and try to go forward a little quicker with this, or do you just kind of stay the course where you are now? I think because of, because of the timing of the year and what they did at the trade deadline, and again, what they might think about doing in the bio market, you stay, they're going to stay the course. They're, they're quite pleased that they're ahead of schedule right now, but they didn't make that one big bold move at the trade deadline to make them let them take a giant leap. And I think they're willing to see what happens in the summer with a couple of guys and whether they can get a mid-level guy in there that does that gives them some kind of uh, boost. Um, but as for personnel for this year, they're going to just ride it out because they're they're pleasantly surprised and a bit ahead of where they thought they would be and are going to get great, great experience down the stretch of a tight playoff race with for a bunch of new guys, a bunch of young kids. And that's pretty important. Smitty, who needs to do a little bit more here in this final third? 
even if it's somebody among the starting five, whether it's the bench or the starters, who in your mind needs to do a little bit more or be a little bit more for this team to ultimately have the success they're looking for? Oh, Scotty Barnes. I think his game, his game has leveled off crazily. He's got to be better. He's got to be more assertive. He's got to be more active. Now, he's a rookie, and I understand you're asking a lot of them, but he's shown that he can do it. He just hasn't done it this last little while. I think OG can take a couple steps up, being a little bit more assertive. And it's going to be interesting to see what they get out of Thad Young. Because I think he's going to be a key part. He's smart. He's been through it all. He, he doesn't hurt you. He just knows how to play. I think he's going to be an interesting part. But Barnes, to me, is a guy who's got to play better. Mm, interesting. It's asking a lot. Doug, oh, yeah, absolutely. No name. question. Totally. They asked it of him early in the year, and he responded. Yeah. It goes back to maybe the timetable question, right? If, if the rookie does step forward, um, you, know, what, what are, you know, what are you willing to do on your timetable to, to push things forward maybe a little bit quicker if he, can, if, if, he, you know, if he responds and he plays that well? Because there yeah. are times when you see him, as well as he plays, he's still a rookie. Oh, yeah, no question. Absolutely. But he's a very good rookie. And if he finishes strong, maybe in the summer, you look to make a bigger move than you might have so you can do something major next season. But, uh, you know, I, the next moves for Bobby Mazzai are going to be in the summer. It'll, it'll be reacting to what this group does in his last 25 games and however many playoff games are in. Smitty. Appreciate the time, as always. Uh, enjoy the uh, couple of days down in Charlotte, getting set for Friday's game, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you and, and seeing you in person soon. All the best. I know. I think I'll, I'll be able to have some fun down here for a couple of days, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we'll I think you'll be all right. Back home. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Smitty. There all right, is Doug. Doug Smith of the Toronto Star. Raptors playing the Charlotte Hornets on Friday night. And, uh, hey, after uh, eight, nine days off, I guess they can't uh, complain. But they do enter the post-break schedule with a bear on a back-to-back Charlotte-Atlanta Friday-Saturday, one day off before a game against the Nets on the Monday. Three games in four nights, and actually, well, four games in five nights because it's back-to-back, day off, back-to-back. And then guess what? Day off, back-to-back. So the Raptors have a ton of games coming, Jonesy. Uh, If my math is correct, six games in nine nights. Um, right after the All-Star break, it's going to be it's going to be coming fast and furious for the Raptors, big time. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, I mean, look, they've had a week off. Uh, you know, some guys have been in the gym, he, social media, watch Chris Boucher working out. Uh, this is the stretch run. You know, they always talk about the different levels of play. There's preseason, regular season, post All-Star, playoffs, and that ramps up all the way through. And then, if you're lucky enough to get to the ultimate level, the finals, where Every, there, there can't be any mistakes because even the slightest mistake is highlighted and could cost you, you know, a game or a series. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where they are right now. They've had the time. Uh, I know the schedule gets a little heavy, but get after it. Yeah, again, for the Raptors, Charlotte on Friday, Atlanta on Saturday, and then the month of March begins 
with, uh, well, actually February ends with Brooklyn, but then it starts again with Brooklyn uh, in March, Detroit, Orlando, Cleveland. Some winnable ball games for the Raptors coming up, at least when you play it out on paper. you got to go take care of business, though, uh, and you certainly want to take care of business in those early games in March because the Raptors do have another six-game road trip that is coming up in the second week of March, spanning the 6th to the 16th. So take care of business here late in February, early March, before that long six-gamer comes at you. Folks, subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review as well. Back with more in a moment. Breaking down the biggest stories in Toronto sport. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Again, we're going to try and uh, circle back with Rick Barry tomorrow or Thursday and get him on the show. So he's not going to join us as originally scheduled, as originally promoted, but uh, in the next couple of minutes, hoping to chat with Patrick Ewing. Jonesy, before we get to that, though, I just wanted to quickly pass this along. I saw this come through my feed uh, on social media, on Twitter, over the last couple of minutes, and and, and, and I wanted to pass it along just because I think it's kind of a, a cool story, one that we discussed last week after the Super Bowl. If you remember, the Rams, of course, winning the Super Bowl, and then in the midst of the... Uh, the flurry of activity and the hype and the, the, the emotion and everything else of the Super Bowl victory, Van Jefferson left, and you saw some of the clips and, and highlights of him running in the back halls and trying to get out of the stadium to get to the hospital because his wife was in labor. Well, Adam Schefter just sent out a tweet with a little link to his podcast, so shout out to the Adam Schefter podcast. Uh, Van Jefferson relayed the story that because of the traffic, I mean, traffic in L.A. is is terrible on any day of the week anyway, period. But because of the L.A. traffic combined with the Super Bowl traffic, he didn't actually get to the hospital in time. We saw the pictures of him holding his baby and how great it was, you know, Super Bowl and a child born on the same day within like the same hour or two. Amazing that it happened. Awesome that it happened. But he relays the story to Schefter, that he actually watched his wife give birth on FaceTime while in the car trying to get to the hospital after the Super Bowl. So check that out. It's absolutely worth watching or worth listening into. Uh, We'll turn our gears back to the NBA, though. I just want to share that quick little little story. Uh, Joining us on the line right now, Hall of Famer and one of the top 75 all-time head coach at Georgetown as well. Always love chatting with Patrick Ewing. Patrick, thanks for the time today. Oh, my pleasure, fellas. How you guys doing? All good, all good. And uh, let me get this in before everybody else, before anybody, we have to wait till the end to do it. You stay good, bigger? Yeah, man, everything I hear. <laughs> everything. <laughs> oh, Patrick, that's Take great, man. Hey, that time, I, you know? I, I, me hear you, me hear you. <laughs> uh, and, and Eric's an honorary Jamaican. We, we've, we've adopted him over the years. He's been around <laughs> enough of us, so his... His his path was not bad. He's he can, he can he can hang with some of it. So I can I can understand most of it. I'm not sure I'm not sure if I can talk it back to too much, but I can understand most of it. <laughs> you know, it's a, our motto is out of out of many one people, out of many different people, right? That's right. That's so right. Welcome. So he's there. You go. There you go, Patrick. What was it like to be around all those? I mean, and you're you're right in there, one of the top seventy-five of all time. But what the experience must have been 
unreal on the weekend to have all of those greats gathered, not just the guys from your era, but even before you, some of those guys that, that came before you, you know, Oscar and, 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 and people like that, that, that kind of laid the foundation for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it was great to be around all those great guys, you know, all those all those great talent. You know, you just mentioned a few, Oscar, you know, Kareem, Doc, Moses, who was, wasn't, you know, unfortunately he's passed on. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of history and a lot of uh, people who have played or paved the way for uh, for this new generation, this younger generation, and just to be around all those guys and just sitting around and reminiscing and talking, you know, talking to I, you know George Gerving about when I was a rookie, me coming into the league. You know, I try, I'm trying to block his shot. He telling me, "Nah, big fella, you can't get it. You're gonna pop your arm out of socket." <laughs> You know, just you know, reminiscing all all the great uh, memories that that I've had, you know, throughout my career, and just being able to sit there with all these guys, and you know, it, it was an honor. You know, Patrick, we could we could do the entire fifteen minutes or so on on, on just kind of conversations and, and memories and, and moments shared with these guys on the weekend. And if you want to do that, let's do that. But I, I even just as a fan sitting at home, you know, watching watching you know Michael walk out and talk to Dennis Rodman, and then seeing you know, and I don't know if it was if it was just done for the cameras, but seeing finally a, a, a what seems to be a reconciliation with Ray Allen and and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce out there, and you just noted some of the some of the conversations and moments you had is is was there one person or, or one moment that stood out even more so for you or or somebody that you got a chance to see that maybe you haven't seen a whole lot or had too many conversations with like what's what's your biggest takeaway maybe from the from the weekend and from that halftime ceremony well most of them i haven't seen or, or even talked to in a while you know michael we talked to uh you know um you know every now and then um you know rodman i haven't seen him in, in years um, you know, Dr. J has been a, a I've been in, um, a fan and an idol of him from when I first started playing this game of basketball and just, you know, having the opportunity to meet him, you know, a long time ago and just, you know, talking to him, you know, that, you know, there and just, you know, catch, catching up Kareem, you know, uh, all those greats, man, you know, just sitting around and, and talking to him, you know, the, the stories are, you know, private, so I'm not even going to get into them. But just talking to him, talking to, to Camelo, you know, talking about us beating Syracuse and, you know, and, <laughs> you know, just, uh, I've been a fan of his for, for a long time, even when he was there playing, playing with them. And then, you know, him, you know, coming to New York and playing for my Knicks, um, just thought he was a, it was a, it was a class act, um, and just wishing him all the best and congratulations. Patrick, the one thing, well, you, 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 you led me right to it. Um, we, early on, we were talking about the whole incident with Jawan Howard. And, uh, and, and we do want to get to, we had your son on yesterday. We do want to get to his uh, coaching journey. But um, Syracuse and Georgetown, to me, back in the day, I don't know if there were any more bitter rivalries in the Big East than uh, Syracuse-Georgetown. Uh, Georgetown Villanova, like some of those Georgetown St. John's. It just seemed like th those days in the Big East, it was rough and tumble physical basketball. But guys still shook hands at the end. And I'm sure there were times when you didn't want to. Uh, maybe Big John didn't want to, but you guys went through it and did it. 
Two things. What do you think about removing, and you're in it now. You're in the midst of the, that storm now, Patrick. What do you think about potentially removing the handshake at the end of the game? Or two, with the Jawan Howard situation, somebody excusing themselves from that line if they think it could get contentious. Uh, when I played back then, I don't even think we had they had handshake lines. Um, okay. You know, I can't I can't really speak on you know what happened to with with Jawan and and and, and that stuff. You know, I take my hat off to Jawan. He's, he's a friend of mine. Uh, he and I you know spoke before he even you know took the Michigan job. Um, uh, but I don't like the the handshake line. Uh, I don't like it. And me personally, I don't like it because. Anything is possible. You know, you're just getting through a heated battle, heated game, and you know anything can happen to 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 blow it out of you know make things worse. Yeah. And, which is yeah. what what happened uh, in that situation. So, you know, if it's if it's if it's my call, I, I think we should just take away the the handshake line. Just do like we did uh, last year in COVID. You wave, wave by, you know, and. And you move on um, because, you know, things could happen. Things happen. You know, you could have a heated battle, heated exchange with a player on the floor. And as you're going through that line, something might be said and, you know, something happens. So, I, if, if, you know, it's my opinion that they should get rid of it. Speaking with Patrick Ewing, Patrick Jonesy was mentioning uh, our, our conversation yesterday that we had with your son. And again, we can get to that in a moment, but I, I, I look back and kind of looking big picture at a moment here. You now at Georgetown, the Hall of Fame career you had, top 75 all time, your son, his career as a player, as a coach, now as a head coach as well. I think back to something, and maybe I'm pulling it back to the weekend for a second here, but Charles Barkley uh, on the halftime show um, after the ceremony, before the third quarter started, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he just talked about how much basketball has brought him. And he, and again, I'm paraphrasing here, Patrick, but he basically said that, that stupid little ball, that orange ball, has brought me so much in life. And I look at you, I look at your family. You have those moments where you just sit back and think, man, look at what this game has brought not just me, but brought my family. This game, how much it has just changed the arc, the path of my entire life. Oh, definitely. I mean, all of us had, can say that. But me coming from that small country called Jamaica, and you know, moving to uh, moving to America, and then you know, falling in love with with that orange ball, like you know, like you just said, and basketball has afforded me a, a great life. Um, great opportunities, not only for me, but also my, you know, my son, uh, and you know, who knows? My, I have a young son, and maybe even him as well. Um, but basketball has definitely uh, been very instrumental in in my life, and will and continue to be instrumental in not only my life but my family's life. It, it, it's afforded me. It's just like when I, every time I go to my mom and dad's uh, gravesite, I always tell them thank you. I, I thank them for the, all the things that they have done to give, in, to give not only me but my, my siblings the opportunity to come to this country and, and the life that we are, we are able to, to live. Patrick, uh, let's talk about Junior and his coaching career, his coaching arc. He's come to Canada. He's obviously made his mark where they, you know, he started as an assistant coach and now he's the, the GM and head coach of a, of a, of a new franchise. What, what kind of influence do you think 
your coaching, your play, the people that he's been around. He's he's talked about being fortunate to to be around and and be uh, you know have interacted with great coaches. What kind of an, and you know, we talk about being a leader of men. What kind of an impact do you think some of that has had on him with the people that he's been around through his basketball life? He's had, he's had the opportunity to be around a lot of the same people that I've been around because, you know, he's, he's, I remember back when he was, you know, two, me coming to Georgetown, him with me, and, you know, Mary Finland, who was our academic advisor here, just, you know, she would watch him while I'm down on the gym working out. And as he got older, you know, we would lower the rim for him. And everything he sees me doing that other end, he's doing down the other end. Um, and then all the people that have been in my life that have been instrumental in my life, like Coach Thompson, uh, you know, Pat Riley, Jeff Van Gundy, all the Steve Clifford, all these guys, Tom Thibodeau, that he's had the opportunity to, uh, to be around. Um, I also had the opportunity to coach him uh, in Orlando. I think it was Orlando, Orlando or, or Charlotte, one of them. I had the opportunity to coach him, you know, for our summer league team. Um, but you know, he's he he is his uh, his his uh, family tree or coaching tree is is very is is long and deep. Um, he is you know coached uh, on JT three staff here at Georgetown. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, he knows the game. You know, from a player's uh, perspective and also uh, a coaching perspective, you know he's played in Europe and in all over, uh, all over the world. So you know he has a, a great history. He, you know, from all those people that he he played for uh, over there, and you know the, the people that he worked with here. Um, you know, so he knows he knows basketball. He coached there last year, and I thought you know he's he's a he's a great coach. I wish I could have him on my staff. Speaking with Patrick Ewing, uh, Patrick, kind of a, 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 a general sort of, I, I guess, overall look at coaching is where I wanted to go. Whether it's advice to, to your son or to anybody that's out there coaching, whether it be high school, bitty ball, collegiate level or otherwise, I understand every coach is different. Every coach has a different voice. But when people come to you and seek out your opinion, your advice, what do you tell them about coaching, or what to you makes a good coach? What what are some of the intangibles in your eyes? Well, to me, being a coach is just like being a parent. You know, um, you, you give their kids the advice. You try to you know put them on the straight and narrow. You pat them on the back when they need to be pat on the back. You curse them out when they need to be cursed out. But you also have to make sure that they know that you care about them. So. You know, that's one of the, the things that I, when I talk to people about coaching, you know, I, I, I equate uh, coaching to be a, being a parent. And, you know, a lot of us are parents. So, you know, there's still a lot of young folks who who, who, hasn't, who have not been parents or not yet parents, but, you know, they have people who, who they trust and have guided them in their lives. And just think about those people who you trust and will guide you. And that's, that's coaching. Patrick, I want to talk about the game, kind of the, the, the current day game. You're a coach, you're in it, and it's really evolved. It's really changed. I mean, with the 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 the, the advent of the, the three-point shot and, and uh, you know, positionless basketball, the, the game has really changed. Uh, how does it how does it impact how does it impact a, a league like yours, a major league like the Big East, or uh, you look at uh, the Big Ten or some of the major power conferences? In terms of recruiting and looking for that, those guys that are positionless, I mean the, the 
The search is extensive, and and those are the kind of guys you need right now in the game. Yeah, you know, basketball has definitely changed. You know, uh, like you just said, it's, it's a lot more positionless basketball than when I played. Um, you have people that, that are playing my position or my size that they live on the three-point line. You know, to me, it has to be uh, to be dominant. You have to be able to do both. You have to be able to be able to shoot the three. You also have to be able to get in the post. You have, and you know, what makes it positionless is guys that are, you know, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten can guard multiple positions or play multiple positions. And I think that the more positions that you can play in this era, uh, the more needed or valuable you will, you will be to your team. So in some ways it's it's it's, it's great, but um, you know I'm a center. I was a center, and I think that you know even in college, a lot of guys. I mean, everything that they do in the NBA, that's what the kids that's that's what the kids see, and that's what they want to be. So you have guys that are, that are my size that are you know they they want to step out there and shoot threes. And I, what I try to tell these kids is that you have to know where your bread is butter. Whatever you do, you have to be able to do it at a at a high level. And then keep adding to your game. So, if you're big and you're not uh, a great three-point shooter, a three-point shooter, then work on your inside game and develop the develop the rest. But whatever what you can do, do it to the best of your abilities. Patrick, we appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us and uh, sharing a few stories and offering your insight. All the best, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. My, fellow, my my pleasure, fellas, and y'all enjoy the day. Big up, boss man. Enjoy the rest of your yeah, day. Yeah, big up. Yeah, man, big up, big up. All right, sir. <laughs> There's Patrick Ewing, uh, head coach at Georgetown, Hall of Famer in the NBA, uh, and one of the top 75 of all time as well. Uh, three-time gold medalist, two at the Olympics and one at the Americas as well. So, I mean, a, a decorated career, number 33, of course, retired by the Knicks, 11-time uh, NBA All-Star, uh, first-team All-NBA, six-time uh, all NBA second team rookie of the year in in '86. I mean, uh, listen, and NCAA champion of course as well in '84. Outside of of getting that taste at the title at the NBA level, Jonesy man, talk about a resume for one of the all time greats. And Patrick Ewing, he's one of the guys actually. When I was sitting on the couch watching the game the other night and watching the halftime ceremonies. Um, you know, sitting with my son, and, and it's not part of his generation, but Ewing came on the on the screen, and I, I just like kind of just yelled, hey, there's Patrick Ewing. Like, he's, he's this one of those guys you like seeing, and it was kind of like, yeah. like I'm yelling at the TV like it means anything to my wife. Or like, hey, there's there's Rick Barry. Oh, there's Patrick Ewing. Oh, hey, Dennis Rodman. Like, it's just awesome to see all of those guys. And I'll tell you what, I mentioned it to Ewing, uh, Jonesy, just briefly in one of my questions there. Did you happen to see the video that was going around? It was making its round on Sunday night and into yesterday, and then Kendrick Perkins posted a picture that kind of squashed or or put to rest maybe or put to bed the video. The video has Kevin Garnett standing on the stage or whatever you want to call it, standing there, and Paul Pierce is to his right. Ray Allen comes up, and Garnett's got his hands clasped in front of him, 
and his 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 chin is kind of tilted up, his nose up, and he's looking at the ceiling. And it, like I don't know for sure what the words are, but it's almost like you could think he's saying like, "Don't even come near me, man. Don't come near me," because you know there's a, a you know the alleged animosity, the heat that's still there yeah. between KG and Ray Allen. And Allen walks right by him on stage, and right beside KG, or, or kind of in that space, is LeBron, and he and he shakes hands and daps up LeBron. And KG looks like he's saying like, "Man, no, like he's you can see the the lips moving, like he's talking, like man, don't." come near me and it was making its rounds this video and it, it, it was funny to see because you're thinking man really you have not buried the axe like you're still got this going but then Kendrick Perkins sends out a picture and and I can't even remember how he tagged it or the the, the you know what he wrote but basically like you know to all the haters and it was a picture of Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen just the three of them shoulder to shoulder huge smiles so maybe the hatchet truly has been buried. Yeah, uh, maybe. You hope so. I mean, there are some some of those things. Uh, we've talked to Rick Mahorn, and he said it. You know, if he sees, if if he's walking down the street and he sees, you know, a Celtic guy, he's still not talking to him. And you know, you 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 mentioned the uh, the James Worthy thing, where uh, you know he lights up a cigar after they beat Boston. They're in seventh. But it doesn't matter. They beat Boston. You know, that those <laughs> kinds of um, deep-rooted rivalries from uh, hard-fought games uh, in the past and series and, 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 you know, both being competitive, I don't know if that stuff ever dies. I, I, I really don't. Um, uh, you might look at it reverently and, and you know, through different uh, glass, glasses with a different lens and, uh, but I don't, I don't think that competitive part ever dies. And there are things that happen within a game that you'll never forget. You'll always remember. So uh, it, it's, it's interesting to see that. And, you know, people like us who grew up watching those games in the 80s where the only friends were the ones wearing your, your jerseys. There were no handshake. There were, uh, there were fines for helping a guy up off the floor on the other team. You know, that, that kind of stuff. That'll never die. And a guy like Garnett has that in him, at least outwardly. Not that other people don't have it, but he displays it outwardly uh, and did when he was playing. So um, uh, good for Kendrick Perkins if that's the case and it's, it's been put to bed. Uh, it should be because they were in the trenches together and they won a championship together, and that should be uh, something that's cherished. Okay, I, I hazard even bringing this up, Jonesy, because I say this lovingly. I know I'm not going to get a straight answer for you, not in three minutes. I think I need three hours to get a straight answer from you. So let me see if I can actually get an answer. And if not, then we'll call this like a, a little three-minute teaser to tomorrow's show, and I'll give you the, the evening and the night and into tomorrow to think about it if, if you don't shock me with giving me an answer right now. Our, uh, our buddy, our colleague, he's joined us many times on the show, host of NBA Today on Sirius XM, Justin Termini. He sent out a tweet yesterday, and it got my wheels spinning a little bit, and it certainly made its rounds among his followers and, and, and folks that are interacting with him on Twitter. He says, and again, this is his opinion, but I'm throwing it to you to see if there's another name that you would throw on the list or if you can give me your four, period, and be done with this. Termini says there are seven guys who can be debated for the NBA Mount Rushmore. He's not allowing any more than these seven in the conversation. Now, from that seven, you got to pare it down to four. Okay. But, and remember, we did this with Tom Brady a couple of weeks ago when we talked about 
the all-time NFL sports. Mount Rushmore, and then we then we did yeah. sports Mount Rushmore, and I even said, you know, because of history, we're, we're we're carving out another chunk of the mountain, and I gave you five. But for the for this sake, for Termini's argument, we're sticking with the original four. He says there's only seven that are even in the conversation, and from the seven, you got to pare it down. He says Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain. Those are it, according to Termini. He says those are the seven, pick four. Nobody else is allowed in the conversation. Is he missing anybody there? Like Shaq, Kobe? I, to me, to me, he's missing people. Like you're, like, like how can you not, how can you not have Kobe in that? Okay, but here's the thing, though. How can you? If Kobe's not on your Mount Rushmore, like, then does it even matter if he's in the conversation? He should be in the conversation, generationally, okay. and and through the again, I bring it back to the lens through which you, the prism through which you look at this. Generationally, some people might have Kobe on their Mount Rushmore, and I think he deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've got three, list. but I'm struggling to put my fourth. I've got three locked in, but I don't know who I'm who I'm chiseling in that fourth. So I got three locked in too from that list. Okay, who are and your three? I, I, who are I, your three? And let's give it, and let's think about our fourth for tomorrow's who my, show. Who are your three? My three locked in are Jordan, uh, LeBron. <laughs> Come on, man! You said I'm you had three. I, lo- I I I lost the last one. I lost. Well, mine mine one. is Jordan, LeBron, and Magic. No, then I'm then I'm then I'm 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 two. Hmm. Okay. All right. We're gonna call that a tease, folks. We're gonna call that a tease. We're gonna we're gonna you know go buy some tools at Home <laughs> Depot tonight and come ready to chisel tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review and share as well. Back on Wednesday with The Chisel and Alvin Williams and a whole lot more. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one.